Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. On this week's bonus episode, I want to reflect and expand upon my discussion with Dr. Alex Elson related to myopia management, axial length, the Topcon Maya, and specifically, I wanted to discuss the management of the medical condition we call myopic degeneration. And these terms have become synonymous, you know, myopic degeneration, myopic maculopathy, pathological myopia. If you look at the American Academy of Ophthalmology just had a paper published uh, or just published their uh, a paper in 2023 related to these terms, and I think it helps us clarify and wrap our minds around these terms a little bit better. Often in school and during our training, we think about pathological myopia as synonymous with high myopia. And while that is true, it can be the case, this paper does a little bit better job of articulating the small and subtle nuances that occur in all myopic patients. And and really, I think that's that's important and can be helpful. And I'll share it within today's show notes. Over the last few years, I've been researching and discussing myopia, and it's become clear to me that myopia is not a refractive condition that has a potential medical impact. I think that that's how many of us were trained to think about it, but I don't think that's really correct anymore. I think there's enough evidence at this point to change this understanding to myopia being a medical condition that has a refractive impact, similar to the way that we think about cataract formation. And I think that might be a subtle shift in the way that we think, but it can actually have dramatic consequences in the way we approach patients who have myopia. And so I've played with this idea when presenting myopia management across the country to state and national organizations. And I would use the example of subtle macular changes and subtle optic nerve changes that we might just note as, quote, a myopic crescent in our chart chart as like the earliest example of myopic degeneration. And I'd be met with kind of this skepticism from the audience. And I'd have to kind of lead them down this path to to sort of wrap them around that, that we're, we are managing a medical condition, just like we would, you know, a patient with a tilted nerve or a malinserted nerve or optic nerve drusen were sort of built differently that have other ramifications from that building or from that development of that, we should look at this in the same way. And so, um, you know, I'd hedge my bets often, I'd preface my words so as not to overstate or alienate my audience. And and, and I think this probably comes from my years of being hyper-focused on how I was delivering messages during a time I spent helping students and doctors prepare for their boards. So I remember I would be on flights home after a two-day, 14-hour session, physically exhausted, emotionally drained, and just toil over reviews, just looking for feedback on ways I could improve and state things more succinctly so they hit the right way. It didn't lead to confusion of my audience. And, and so I, I think that that was kind of why I was always hedging those bets. I think a, a lot of my audience probably understood exactly what I was talking about. But to that end, I don't want to mince words here. I, I think myopic degeneration is clearly a disease. And myopia is clearly a disease that is essentially the refractive symptom of the disease of myopic degeneration, axial elongation, stretching of that tissue. So to be clear. I think myopic degeneration is the disease, myopian, myopia is the refractive symptom. So let's break down this 2023 American Academy of Ophthalmology uh, overview of myopic degeneration to see that this is true. And really, I want to evaluate all the clinical signs that you could see in a patient with myopic degeneration, but I want to start with where I clinically see the most common linkage between axial elongation 
and uh, damage in the back of the eye. So we'll start with the optic nerve. And clinically, again, this is where I see most of those signs. The optic disc, the optic nerve, often uh, appears oval when you when you look at it on FOSS or you know straight on. Uh, and oftentimes it'll be tilted, right? So this appearance results from that optic nerve inserting to an elongated globe at an angle causing a temporal flattening of the disc due to that peripapillary atrophy or the peripapillary scleral expansion. And this leads to a hypopigmented myopic crescent. We commonly just in, in school, we just note myopic crescent. We think nothing else of it. Um, or this myopic conus sometimes is described. Uh, and it becomes visible where that sclera is directly seen. In intermediate stages of the disease, these choroidal vessels become more pronounced beneath the atrophic RPE. And then when the RPE attenuation encircles the, the disc, then we call that peripapillary atrophy. So when we see that, um, that's just a natural progression of this sort of tilting, stretching, scleral show. Then you get this uh, peripapillary atrophy as the RPE starts to become impacted. And so then obviously over time, the choroidal structure below that RPE can also atrophy as we get more and more advanced and more and more elongated. Uh, and, and so that RPE uh, change, right, when we think about it around the optic nerve, we can also think about it in other places of the retina. So let's think about the just general retina, not just the macula, but, but the rest of the retina. And that progressive thinning and weakening of that RPE that occurs at various stages throughout that fundus. So we think about uh, tessellated appearance. So that's obviously it's characterized by this irregular distribution of RPE atrophy and varying light reflection. This paper does a really good job of showing you examples of that specifically in the macula, but you can also see it in the rest of the fundus as well. Essentially, it's where you can see a varying clarity of the underlying choroidal vasculature because it's not being obscured by the RPE. So then, then we think about these more common, more severe types of things that are much more characteristic of what we classically think of as uh, myopic or pathologic myopia. And that would be things like lacquer cracks, which is obviously breaks in Brooks membrane that can lead to choroidal neovascularization, things like uh, non-neovascular uh, AMD, or geographic atrophy of the of the similar to geographic atrophy of the of the macula when those lack of cracks occur there, um, you can have these fuke spot spots as well where you get this RPE hyperplasia or this this clumping of the RPE uh, that that is thought to be a an area of previously regressed choroidal neovascularization, uh, and then you can have a staphyloma de development. But I think the key here. The key with this entire paper and, and sort of my premise in thinking about myopic degeneration as the disease and myopia as the symptom or the refractive error of that disease is that this didn't start. It is not just the advanced form. We see these patients all the time in our clinic where, where we're documenting myopic crescents or we're noticing myopic crescents that we just don't even think they're significant. Guess what? The American Academy of Ophthalmology tells us in this document they are significant. They're just a more subtle form of a, uh, a much broader scale of a larger disease state. So I hope this was helpful. I think it's helpful for me to think about this in a varying stages of severity as opposed to all or nothing. And I hope it helps you. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear you disagree with me. I'd love to, to have a conversation with somebody that says, no, myopia 
is just a refractive error. But I think the more we learn about this, the more I'm compelled to think about it more as a disease. So I hope this was helpful for you. I will see you guys on the next one.